this, this half kind of got a head start on that. <laughs> so if you're not seated, you guys can be seated. You guys stay cozy. Um, <laughs> when I was fresh out of high school, I did a discipleship program called Out of Town. And Out of Town was a, a program that involved traveling to all kinds of places across Canada and then down to Guatemala with a group of 35 young adults. And many of you have heard me share stories that came out of my experiences doing that program. Stories involving things like volcanoes and mountain bikes and treacherous hikes. It was one of those programs that was full of adrenaline-inducing adventures and unique experiences. And so I walked away from it with all kinds of memories that will stay with me for my entire life. But out of all of the memories that I gained during my time on Out of Town, the one that might stand out the most vividly in my memory is actually packing the night before. And I don't want to sound uh, dramatic, but I would categorize it as something very close to a traumatic experience. Because I am not a light packer at all. Okay, and we were only allowed to bring one bag. And I couldn't figure out how to roll up my clothes tightly enough to get everything that I wanted to take with me squeezed into that 80-liter backpack. It was very stressful. But over the course of the year, as we traveled from one location to the next, I got really used to laying, uh, laying all my things out and doing an inventory of what I needed to leave behind and what I needed to take with me and what new things I needed to get a hold of uh, for my new destination. My winter boots were really important when we were staying at a camp in the Rocky Mountains in the winter. But there was no sense lugging them around on a beach in Guatemala. During every transition, I always double-checked to make sure that I had my wallet and my Bible, and there's no phone, I didn't have a phone, but my old-school iPod video, I always made sure I had that with me as I was packing up. Uh, But the clothes that I wore, horseback uh, riding, went right into the garbage, (laughs) after that little expedition because the smell was just like so atrocious that I was sure everything else would be at risk if I tried to salvage them. Over the last few weeks, Pastor Keith has been walking us through a sermon series on transition. Throughout our lives, we all find ourselves walking through times of transition again and again. We all find ourselves in seasons where one phase of our life is coming to an end, whether that's a job or a relationship or a stage of parenting or a pandemic. And we know that there's a new season that's going to be opening up before us. But that space in between can feel like unsteady ground. When we're in that in-between space, it can feel like there's nothing to hold on to. If you were here in the summer, uh, back when we talked about transition, you re- uh, might remember that we set up a transition bra- uh, bridge here on the stage. 
And uh, the first stage of transition was represented by a stable chair. That kind of represented life as we knew it, life when things were comfortable. And then we had a wobbly chair that represented that season where we start anticipating a major life change, where we can start to see that change is coming and we kind of feel some anxiety and unsettledness, maybe some grief as we kind of anticipate the losses that we're about to go through. And then we had an exercise ball right in the middle representing the actual transition. When life as we know it has ended, but we can't quite see what the future looks like yet. And it feels chaotic and uncertain. Sometimes we feel like we don't know who we are anymore or who our people are anymore. These are all kind of normal feelings that we deal with in seasons of transition. That in-between space is not a comfortable place to be. And so often we try to rush through it and just get to the next thing as quickly as we possibly can. Or we try to cling to whatever we can hold on to that just feels even a little bit familiar. And we fight to get things back to the way they used to be. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus, as Peter did, right, during those first few steps of walking on water... Seasons of transition can actually be really important seasons of transformation. Seasons of transition open up the opportunity to do an inventory of what we're carrying with us and to kind of sift through whether there's some things we need to let go of and to make sure we're holding on to the things that matter the most. And so we can open ourselves up to the new things that God might want to do in us as he leads us into the season ahead. And that's true as we navigate transitions in our own personal lives, and it's true as we navigate transitions as a community, as we're doing right now here at Evergreen, as we kind of heal and rebuild from the pandemic and get ready to search for a new lead pastor. And so far in this series on transition, Pastor Keith has talked about keeping our eyes on Jesus, and he's talked about prayer, and about proclaiming the gospel, and how central these things are as we move forward. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about seeking renewal in our relationships, in our relationship with God, in the relationships that we have with each other here in our church family and uh, in the relationships that we have with our broader community. Because the quality of our relationships, our relationships with God, with ourselves, and with others, the, the quality of our relationships ultimately shapes the quality of our lives. As human beings, we are made in the image of a God who in his very essence is relational. Throughout all of history, God has existed as Father, Son, and Spirit. 
right? The three persons of the Trinity held together in perfect love and unity. And so as human beings who are made in the image of God, we are inherently relational. We're all connected to each other and we're designed to flourish as our lives take shape in love. And that's why uh, when Jesus is asked to name the most important commandment, you know what he says, right? This is what he says, Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Everything that we're called to as followers of Jesus is rooted in love. The life of a disciple is a life that's shaped by opening ourselves up to receive God's love and then letting his love transform us from the inside out into people who love God and love others, who love much and who love well. And that is true regardless of what season of life we are walking through. And so one of the most important things we can do during a time of transition is work through any fractures that have come up in our relationships and let God lead us into healing and restoration. And this morning, we're gonna focus on what we're calling upward renewal, which is really kind of just a catchy way of talking about renewal in our relationship with God. And we're starting here because renewal in our relationship with God is really where this all starts. It's the foundation that everything else gets built on. Renewal in our relationship with God is at the heart of our ability to give and receive love. It's what empowers us to forgive and to receive forgiveness. It's what frees us from shame and pride and what helps us to see the world as God sees it to see the world through a kingdom lens. On Monday, uh, this week, I got into my car to go to a meeting in Waterloo. And when I got into my car, the tire pressure indicator on the dashboard lit up. Now that's usually one that I ignore, but uh, it wasn't on before. And so I got into my car and I looked at my tires and sure enough, one of them was looking a little bit on the flat side. And so I did what you do in a situation like that I called my dad, who for my entire life has been trying to convince me that monitoring my tire pressure is something that I should be doing, okay? It's always sounded very boring to me, and I'm sure that he was kind of secretly feeling a sense of deep parental satisfaction, (laughs) and as I told him about the dilemma (laughs) that he, round of applause from Stephen, (laughs) as I told him about the dilemma that I was facing, And so that phone call kind of marked the beginning of this whole big rigmarole that I had to go through to get my tire fixed so that I could get to this meeting, just kind of trying to do it as fast as I can so I could make it there on time. So I went to Canadian Tire, and I asked one of the staff people where to find a tire pressure gauge, and then he showed me, and so then I kindly asked him uh, to show me how to use a tire pressure gauge. 
which uh, bless, bless him, he did. And then I went outside and I checked my tire pressure and sure enough, it was low. And so I pulled my car over to the air machine and I worked really hard to look helpless and pathetic. I didn't have to, I didn't have to work that hard, actually. But I just kind of, you know, I looked, looked pathetic and then just a, a very kind, sweet old man pulled up and uh, he coached me through the process of inflating my tires. And then finally, I was all set and I hit the road with this deep sense of like empowerment and satisfaction because I had taken care of the problem, you know, and I had learned a new skill. I can now fix flat tires, you know, if they're not that flat. But on my way home from uh, Waterloo, the wildest thing happened. The tire pressure light came back on. And so I did what any person would do in that situation. I just, I said a prayer and I held my breath and I just kept going. (laughs) And uh, I did make it home. But let me tell you, by the time I got there, that sucker was flat. (laughs) And so I took it in and as it turned out, there was a nail, as, as the stories go, right? There was a nail in my tire, which ultimately meant that it didn't matter how many steps I went through or how hard I worked to get that tire fixed and filled up with air. It didn't matter how many times I pulled over at gas stations to pump it back up. At the end of the day, nothing was going to make any lasting difference until I took care of the root cause of the problem. And sometimes we try really hard to work through our struggles with shame or through this, the conflicts that keep bubbling up in our relationships or through the unhealthy uh, patterns that we're dealing with in our lives. And we can't figure out why we never seem to be able to make the lasting changes that we want to make in our lives. And so often, the reason is because we haven't gotten to the source of the problem. We're not living out of a renewed relationship with God. We're not turning to God for our identity and for our sense of value. We're not opening ourselves up to his grace and letting him heal us and show us how to live. Our relationship with God is the source of true transformation in every other area of our lives. But even for those of us who know that that's true, there are so many things in our day-to-day lives that distract us and pull us away from God. And sometimes it's just the busyness of our, of our lives. You know, we live in a world where we are surrounded by noise and distractions. We pack our schedules full. We rush from one place to another. And we tend to fill any empty space that we do have with our devices, right? On social media or on Netflix. Sometimes we get pulled off course in our relationship with God because we're chasing after things that we think will bring us happiness and fulfillment, but ultimately never do. 
Things like social status, material wealth, or success in our careers. Sometimes it's doubt and discouragement that pull us away from God. Not that it has to. You know, we've talked about this, that God loves to meet us in the midst of our doubts and our struggles. But when we go through difficult seasons and we don't understand why, or when we look around at the messiness in the church, you know, we can start to put distance between ourselves and God. Other times we get distorted ideas about God that kind of put distance between us. We can get thinking that he's an angry judge, right? And start feeling like God's mad at us all the time or disappointed in us, or like we have to fix ourselves before we can come to him. And when we find ourselves in that place where there's distance in our relationship with God, we tend to do one of three things. Either we double down and we try really hard and we do all the things we know we should do as good Christians. We promise, we promise ourselves that we're going to read our Bible more. We're going to get, get dressed and go to church every week. Uh, we're going to pray more. You know, we, we just double down and do all the things we know we should do. Or we kind of just start to fake it. We get really good at going through the motions and we say the right things at Bible study And we can kind of look like everything's all together on the outside, but inside, we kind of check out from our faith and we stop seeking after God. Or sometimes when things get too hard, we can just kind of give up and walk away from our faith altogether. And in all three of those scenarios, we miss out on the fullness of life that God has for us. Our faith isn't about trying really hard. It's about trusting in God's grace. And God doesn't want us to fake it. He wants us to bring our whole selves to him and to have communities where we can bring our whole selves to each other. And when we see God for who he really is, this good news is really too good to walk away from. In the book of Luke, Jesus tells a familiar story uh, to teach us how God responds when we come back to him. It's the story of the prodigal son. And there are actually two sons in this story that walk away from the father's love. The first son takes his inheritance, he runs off, and he wasted on all kinds of things that shouldn't be spoken about in polite company. And then he finds himself starving and poor, and he decides that he's going to go back home in hopes that his dad might be willing to take him on just as a hired hand, since he'd obviously given up the right, uh, he had to be treated like a son. But on his way home, his father sees him coming in the distance. And this is what the passage tells us about how he responds, Luke 15, verse 20. It says, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. There's no, I told you so. There's no shame. He doesn't punish him. It's love and compassion that flood the father's heart 
when he sees his son making his way home. The story tells us about another son too. There's an older son who never technically left home, but who hadn't opened himself up to the love of the father. He just works all day, every day in his father's fields. He kind of saw his father as like a tough boss who really only cared about his performance. And so in a different way, the older son needed to find his way home to the father's generosity and love just as much as the younger son did. And the point of the story is that no matter how far we've run or wandered away from God, the moment we turn around to make our way back to him, God is already running towards us with open arms, full of compassion and love. And not just the first time that we blow it, but again and again throughout our lives as we get pulled in different directions and find ourselves needing to come back home to the God who created us and loves us perfectly. And so wherever you find yourself in your relationship with God this morning, he is ready and waiting to welcome you back home with open arms. So what do we do when we find ourselves in that place where there's distance between us and God? How do we experience renewal in our relationship with him? On one hand, there isn't anything we have to do in order to earn God's forgiveness. Renewal isn't about what we do. It's about what Jesus has already done through his death and resurrection on the cross. But renewal does mean surrendering to the way of life that God has for us. Renewal means opening ourselves up to his grace and letting his spirit change the way we see and think and live. And this morning, we're going to look at three snapshots from the life of the, the, the disciple Peter that kind of shed light on different aspects of what it looks like to live out of a renewed relationship with God. And I think that, the, uh, that Peter's the perfect guy for us to look at in this because we all know that Peter wasn't perfect, right? He doesn't always get it right. But Peter was all in. And throughout his successes and his failures and through all those moments when he just didn't get it, Peter looked to Jesus to show him the way forward. So the first snapshot that we're going to look at is found in Matthew 16, verses 13 to 18. And in this passage, Peter is named by Christ. So let's have a look. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. 
And upon this rock, I will build my church and all of the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, let's be honest. It's a little bit of a strange move to rename your friends. I mean, think about it. Imagine one day I was just like, you know, Eric, you've always seemed like more of a Jonathan to me. So if you don't mind, from now on, that's what I want you to go by, okay? That's what, we're, that's what I'm going to call you from now on. This isn't something that we usually do, right? But what happens in this moment between Jesus and Peter is indescribably powerful, This is the first time in the book of Matthew that anybody identifies Jesus as the Messiah. And it's Peter who looks at Jesus, sees him for who he truly is, and declares it out loud. And then Jesus says to Peter, now let me tell you who you really are. You are a rock. And on this rock, I'll build my church. Now, none of Peter's report cards would have come home saying anything about being anything like a rock. Impulsive, maybe, unpredictable, easily distracted, you know, quite possibly. A rock, not so much. None of Peter's friends or family members would have thought of a rock as a good metaphor to describe Peter's character qualities. But Jesus saw Peter for who he really was, for who God made him to be, for who he was becoming. Part of living in a renewed relationship with God means letting Jesus be the one who names us, who tells us who we are. And that's not always easy because we live in a world where we are constantly putting labels onto each other and where we're constantly putting labels even onto ourselves. We all have different voices in our lives that are trying to tell us who we are and who we should be and whether or not we're measuring up. But regardless of what those voices might be telling us, We have a God who says that we are his children, that we are chosen, that we are loved, that we're forgiven, that we belong, that we have everything we need in him. And the bigger God's voice becomes in our lives, the more time we spend with him, the more we let him tell us who we are, the quieter the other voices become. And the more freedom we have to be who he made us to be. Renewal in our relationship with God comes when we look to Jesus for our identity and our sense of worth. Renewal with God comes from being named by Christ. The second snapshot that we're going to look at is found in John 13 where Jesus washes his disciples' feet uh, before sharing his final meal with them. And this was uh, an act of incredible humility, right? This is often how we think about it. In, In this moment, Jesus was showing his disciples how he was calling them to live. 
He was showing them how to be people who were willing to set aside their status and their rights in order to love and serve others. But this act had a deeper meaning too that really comes to the surface when Jesus washes Peter's feet. And here we see that part of living in a renewed relationship with God means being cleansed by Christ. So let's look at John 13, verses 6 to 8. So Peter, uh, Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. And then verse 6 says, When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't understand what I'm doing now, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. When Jesus approaches Peter to wash his feet, Peter reacts in the way uh, that I think many of us would react. He resists it. He doesn't want Jesus, his rabbi, this person that he admires and that he looks up to, washing his gross, dirty smelly feet. We all have areas of our lives that we would rather keep hidden from others, that we don't even like to acknowledge ourselves. We all have areas of weakness and brokenness that bring us shame. And so often, uh, we try to hide them from others or make excuses about why it's not our fault, or we work really hard to overcompensate for those weaknesses in other areas of our lives. But the gospel gives us the freedom to name things as they really are, to admit it when we fall short. Because we're all sinners, we're all a mess. And it's only when we bring our whole selves before Jesus that we can experience the fullness of his grace and forgiveness as we let him cleanse us. That we can experience the freedom that comes along with that. Jesus tells Peter that if he wants to belong to him, he's going to have to be vulnerable enough to let Jesus get right into the dirt and the muck so that he can wash him clean. And the same is true for us. There's a beautiful word uh, that's kind of been tainted by the way that we've used it in Christian uh, culture. And it's the word repent. Repent is one of those words that uh, can kind of make us feel uh, condemnation, right? It's a word that we associate with judgment uh, and condemnation. But to repent really just means to change your mind. It means to change the way you think, to see things as God sees them, and then to change the way we live, just in response to that. And the call to repentance throughout scripture is really a reminder that God's mercies are new every morning. Every day, every moment is an opportunity to let our hearts be recalibrated with the ways of Jesus and to change the way that we're living. Renewal in our relationship with God comes when we trust the promise that God's grace is big enough to cover all of our sin and when we let him cleanse us so that we can live into 
uh, the freedom of his forgiveness and new life. And the third snapshot that we're going to look at from Peter's life this morning comes from John 21. And this is where Peter is called by Christ to do the work that God created him to do. Now, at this point in the book of John, Peter has denied being associated with Jesus three times after insisting that he would die to Jesus if that's what things came down to. And so Peter's full of shame. He's gone back to fishing, to that career that marked his old identity. And then Jesus approaches uh, his disciples on the beach one day. And after eating breakfast with them, Jesus pulls Peter aside And this is the conversation that they have. John 21, verses 15 to 17. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him, asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Three times, Jesus asks Peter to declare his love for him. Once for every denial. And then three times, Jesus calls Peter to take care of his sheep, to care for the church, to do the work that he'd been called to do. Peter had gone back to fishing, to that world that he knew so well, to the job that he was good at. But as comfortable and familiar as that way of life was for him, it wasn't the life that God was calling him to. And Jesus wants Peter to understand that his calling wasn't determined by his own ability to do things perfectly. He wasn't called because he was at the top of his class or because he was really smart or because he had any expertise or was exceptional in any way at all. And so his failure didn't mean that it was time to walk away from his calling. What Peter thought disqualified him from following Jesus, this massive glaring failure would become one of his deepest experiences of God's grace. Peter's calling was dependent on God alone. And God would be the one who would strengthen him and guide him moving forward. All that Jesus asked for was Peter's love and for his willingness to step out in faith and to do the work that God made him to do again and again each and every day. And in the book of Acts, we see that Peter took this very seriously. He lived it. And all kinds of people embraced the gospel through his ministry. He became a rock. And it it can be so tempting for us 
uh, to spend our time doing the things that make us feel comfortable, to stick with what feels safe and familiar. But a life of faith requires risk. It requires stepping out of our comfort zone and doing things that we know we can't do on our own. There's a question that I asked you a little while ago, and I want to put it before you again uh, this morning as a little bit of a challenge. What if every day this week, you started your morning by asking yourself this question? What would I do today if I really believed that God was with me? How would I live differently today if I really believed, not just cognitively, but at the core of my being, that God's spirit was with me, empowering me, and covering me with his grace? And then take the answer to that question and do it. (laughs) Because God is with you. Renewal in our relationship with God means living every day with an awareness of his presence and then simply doing what he calls us to do, trusting that his spirit is working in us. So Peter shows us what it looks like to be named by Christ, cleansed by Christ, and called by Christ. In John 10 verse 10, Jesus says that he came so that we could have life and have it to the full. We were designed to live our lives out of this relationship of love with the God who created us. And there are all kinds of things that can distract us and pull us away from him, but because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we are never beyond the reach of God's grace. And every day is a new opportunity to come back home to him and to receive the fullness of life that he invites us into. We started off uh, this morning talking about the opportunity that seasons of transitions uh, offer us to kind of let go of the things that we need to let go of, to hold on to the things that we know we want to keep, and to open ourselves up for the new things that God wants to do in us. And as we close this morning... We're going to take some time to reflect on just the three aspects of renewal that we just talked about, on being named by Christ and cleansed by Christ and called by Christ, and to ask God if there are some adjustments that he's inviting us into in any of these areas, whether there are some things that we need to kind of leave behind this morning, and what we need to hold on to, and what we might need to receive from him as we move forward so that we can experience this renewal in our relationship with God. And so I'm going to invite you now to just, as we often do, to just take a moment to kind of get comfortable in your seat, to center yourself in God's presence. Just take a deep breath in. Take a deep breath out. Take a deep breath in. that God is as close as the air that you breathe. Maybe you imagine yourself breathing in his love every time you inhale.
now in God's presence, I'm gonna invite you to just take a moment to reflect on this question. What are the labels that you've been believing about yourself? What voices have you been listening to about your identity? does God say that you are? Let's hold that question before him and listen. What does God want to remind you about your identity this morning? And maybe just turn your hands up even as you pray that and receive that from him. by Christ. So in what area of your life have you been struggling with sin or with shame? Let's take a minute to reflect on that and just to name that before God. Just trusting in his grace, trusting in his promise of forgiveness. You know, you're safe here. You can, you can be your full self. You can bring your whole self before God. And now what would it look like to let Jesus offer you his cleansing in this area of your life? As you think about that, just open yourself up to receive Jesus' forgiveness and his grace. It's real, it's true, it is for you this morning. reflect on what it looks like to be called by Christ, I want to invite you to think about what it is that's been holding you back from doing what God is calling you to. It's been getting in the way of living the life that God is calling you into. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's distraction, maybe it's comfort and security. What is it for you? Now, how is God calling you to move forward in this area of your life? Maybe ask yourself this question, what would you do in this area of your life if you really believed that God was with you? May we be people who step into that today. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your incredible grace that sometimes feels like it's too big for us to really even believe, God, but you promise us that it's true, that your love is unconditional, that no matter how far we've wandered, what we've done, that you are willing and ready to receive us back, God, with open arms and compassion of compassion and love. So God, I pray this morning that you would meet each one of us where we're at, that you would call us by name 
and that we would hear your voice and listen. I pray, God, that you would remind each one of us who you say that we are, that we are your beloved children. We belong to you, that we are righteous through Jesus' death and resurrection, that we are free, that we are forgiven. I pray, God, that you would let us be people who can come before you honestly in vulnerability and receive your cleansing and forgiveness can experience the freedom of that. God, may we be people who walk in light of the calling that you've placed in our lives so that we can show the entire world who you are. God, so that the people that we know, that we interact with every day can experience your goodness and your love through us. May we be people who live in light of this renewal that you've given us in our relationship with you. In your name we pray, amen.